Well, hey, everybody. It's good to be in worship with all of you today. Today, we are starting a new sermon series called Prince of Peace, where we will get ready for um, the season of Advent and Christmas that is coming. So we'll be talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace and how he can bring peace into your life. So today, we are going to be in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. If you'd like to open up your Bible and follow along, I'm using the NIV version. So let's pray before we get started. God, I thank you for today and for all the people listening. Lord, I am so excited to enter into this Advent season. The anticipation of the birth of your son is always um, just so different than the rest of the year. The season of anticipation is so good, God. Um, Just thank you for Jesus and for who he is in our lives and um, the way you sent him to us. Would you please open the ears of the people hearing this, open my mind to you, Lord, that you would speak through me, um, that I would say what you want me to say. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So one of my favorite games growing up was hide and seek. I played it with my brother and my sister all the time at home, and it was our favorite game. We always made the person who was seeking go into our bathroom to hide and count to 50 or 100 or whatever we decided that day. And then the rest of us would hide in our house. But we only lived in one house growing up primarily, so all of our hiding spaces were taken pretty quickly. We could never find a new one, and our game of hide-and-seek was always over quickly because we always checked the same hiding spaces over and over again. There was nothing new. However, during the summer, we would always take a trip to my grandparents' house in Texas where we would spend a week or so with all of our cousins and aunts and uncles and we would go to my grandma's house and everyone would stay there and one of our favorite games to play there was also hide and seek. And I had a lot of cousins, there was no shortage there, so all of us cousins would play hide and seek together. So it was like new territory, we were at grandma's house, we had new places to hide and it was so exciting. And so one day, one of my cousins was the one who was seeking, they were counting, and me and one of my younger cousins went into the bathroom at my grandma's house and we found this cupboard that no one had ever hidden in before. And we were so excited because no one was ever going to find us here, right? Like we were going to be the champions of hide and seek. And so we get into this cupboard and we start to hide and soon our other cousin stopped counting and said, come out wherever you are, here I come. And they started looking for everyone. Well, they found every one of our cousins, but they never found us. They kept seeking and looking and looking. And we're sitting in this closet, in this cabinet in my grandma's bathroom, hiding. And it's so fun at first because we think we're about to win and it's going to be awesome. But then like 20 minutes goes by, 25, 30 minutes, and we're getting like sweaty in this cupboard and we're cramped because it was kind of small and we were waiting and it was so fun. But now we're like, man, can they just come and find us already? We want to get out of here. We were waiting and it was so fun, but then the anticipation of being found was even better because we wanted to be found. It was fun at first, but then it just got old and we wanted out. And like hide and seek, Advent is a time of waiting and seeking and anticipating the arrival of Jesus. We know something world-changing is about to happen, just like how Mary and Joseph and thousands of others awaited the arrival of Jesus, we too await the celebration of his birth. 
The arrival of Jesus changed not only the entire world, but the whole universe and every life and every person. It changed everything. The promise of Jesus' life means life for us. Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus' birth that there would be a ruler that would reign with peace and justice and righteousness, something that the world so desperately needed. And not only would he reign, but he would reign forever. And this promise of everlasting peace, justice, and righteousness was so opposite of what every other ruler had ever given them. In this Advent season, we are exploring Advent through the lens of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. With so much anxiety in the world, we need peace now more than ever. Today's scripture comes from Isaiah chapter 9. And in case you've never read Isaiah before, Isaiah is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. And a prophet was someone who God used to speak through, someone who was able to tell things that had not happened yet. So here in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah is prophesying about a king who will one day come to be the final ruler of all, one who will rule with peace and righteousness. Here's Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. The people walking in righteousness have seen a great light, and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born, To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign with David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So there are a lot of promises in this piece of scripture. And today we're going to look at it verse by verse and find the four things that Isaiah promises in the coming king of Jesus. So let's start in verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So while this was a prophecy about the world to come, Isaiah was also speaking about a specific group of people and what would happen to them. The people that Isaiah is talking about here are people in the northern regions of the Promised Land, who the Assyrians were about to attack. The Assyrians were a big army, and everyone knew that this attack was going to be devastating. And when the attack happened, the northern regions of the Promised Land, around the Sea of Galilee, were the most severely ravaged and in the people in this region were broken and desperate. And before any of this even happens, Isaiah makes this prophecy. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah is talking about the people in Galilee. They've been attacked and are walking in darkness. 
And this prophecy is about the new light dawning. It's about how, though they were attacked and left to walk in darkness, they would be the first to see the light, the light of the Messiah. And that is exactly what happens. A few hundred years later, Jesus was born here and spent most of his life here. Though the people in Galilee were broken and shattered, God still held them and was about to give them the best gift of all. A light was about to dawn in the darkness. And just like the Galileans, we were to promise the light of the Savior. The Galileans were, went through a lot, and I'm sure you have too. When I first read this verse, I pictured a light at the end of a tunnel, like a sigh of relief, like this feeling of, finally, it's almost over. I can see the end. A light has dawned. I know we've all been through some really hard stuff, especially over the last two years of the pandemic. There's been so much stress and tension in the air, so much fighting. We all really just want this whole thing to be over. And we are waiting and waiting and waiting for all to end. And then, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. There is hope, and there is a promise that one day we will all get through this. Jesus promises to take care of us, and that he won't leave us stranded or alone. And one day, COVID will all be over, and sickness and sin and death will one day be over too. Because the light is dawning. Jesus is the light at the end of our tunnel. Jesus' light dawns on us now because we can see his goodness and work in our everyday lives. But we also know that he will return to the earth to dawn his light again, and we wait in anticipation of this. And I don't know what you're going through right now, but maybe you don't see any light at the end of this tunnel. Like maybe you're still in this deep, deep darkness. And that's okay, because you have the Son of the living God right there in your hand, ready to help you figure it out. And it may not happen immediately, but sometimes we have to walk through really hard things in life. But because Christ will always be walking right next to you in it, being the light in your darkness, you can always trust in him. Isaiah promises us here that Jesus is the light that you have been searching for. Isaiah then goes on to say in verse 3, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. So Isaiah prophesies that the ministry of the Messiah would bring great joy to Israel and that his disciples would multiply. When Jesus was physically on earth, he healed people and raised people from the dead and brought hope to so many. These people experienced the joy of the Messiah. They brought their friends to be healed, and he did it. They came to him with demons, and he casted them out. They were overjoyed that this Messiah who healed them when nothing else would, could. And not only did Isaiah prophesy that Jesus would bring joy during his time on earth, but for eternity. Jesus still moves and works in our lives today to bring us joy. He heals us, comforts us, and guides us. Just in our church, we have seen so many physical healings through our prayer ministry. We've seen people been healed from 
sciatica, from anxiety, so many different things. Jesus still brings us joy and healing today. There have been experiences of the Holy Spirit, and God has brought people through some of the hardest and toughest seasons of their lives. And these things give us the joy that only Christ can give. The joy we find like we, the, the joy we find in Christ is unlike any other. And if you feel like there is no joy to be found in your life right now, I urge you to look towards Jesus. Look for the ways that he shows up in your life, even in the darkest of days. He is the one who holds you and came to save you and cares about you. Jesus is the joy that you have been searching for. And then verses 4 and 5 say, For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So this starts off saying, In the day of Midian's defeat, And Isaiah is referring to Gideon's victory over Midian in Judges chapter 7. In this battle, Gideon, who feared God, and Gideon's army were preparing to attack the Midianites, who did not fear God. And in this battle, Gideon showed up with about 32,000 of his army, and God tells Gideon that this is too many, that he needs to send some home. So Gideon does what God says until there's only about 300 left with him. Went from 32,000 to 300. And there's over 125,000 in the Midianite army. There's quite a size difference here. The odds are stacked against Gideon. But then something amazing happens and God fights the battle for them. God helps Gideon and his army to defeat the Midianites in a really crazy way. So let's read how Gideon defeats the Midianites. This is Gideon doing what God told him to do. This is Judges chapter 7, 16 through 22. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them, with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed their guard. They blew their trumpets and and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. And they shouted, a sword, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 men and the trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So God had this tiny army fight with trumpets and empty jars and torches. That was it. You think you had given them something a little better since they were so small. But then they blew their trumpets and smashed their jars, and the Midianites turned on each other and started fighting and killing one another. Gideon's army won without really having to do anything. It was all God's doing. 
And God fought this battle for Gideon because he had faith in the Lord. And we also need to note that the reason why God had Gideon get rid of almost all of his army was because God wanted Gideon and his army to know that he fought for them. If they had a big army, they would be tempted to take the credit for the win. And like Gideon, God wants to fight our battles for us too. This verse says, You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, and the rod of their oppressor. Jesus promises to take our burdens and to take all of the things that are on your shoulders and to take the rod of your enemy. All those hard things you deal with, the anxiety you have, Jesus wants to take it for you because he loves you and there's nothing that he can't bear. Just like when a child gets sick, a parent says they wish they were sick instead of their child. And that's exactly how Christ looks at you. So if you've been searching for a way out, a way out from under the stress and the pressure that you feel, come to Jesus. Ask him to take your burdens for you. He wants to lighten the load that's on your shoulders. All you have to do is ask him to take it and give it to him. And just like God fought for Gideon, Jesus will fight for you. Jesus is the one who's there to fight your battles. Then finally, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Jesus was a gift to us. This verse says, For to a child, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. God gave Jesus to us as a gift. We did nothing to get him, and we didn't deserve him. But God had this planned from the very beginning. He saw that we were in need of a Savior. And he made a way for us to be saved through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. We didn't deserve it, but God gave this salvation to us anyway. Jesus was a gift. And it also says here that the whole government will be on his shoulders. That, there will be, that he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he will rule with justice and righteousness and peace forever. Jesus rules the universe, all people, and all of our own hearts. He is the king, and as we learn to align our hearts with God's, we make him the king and lord of our lives. Jesus is your peace. He is your rest. He is your comfort. If you're searching for peace in the middle of this anxious world, this anxious holiday season— and you can't seem to find it, check in and ask yourself, where am I looking? Are you looking for peace in the same place that causes you stress? Are you looking for peace in a person who can't give peace to you? Are you looking for peace through your own strength and what you can control? Because let me tell you, there is only one place that has true peace. A few months ago, after I had a long and stressful day, 
I was upset and throwing myself a pity party over something really stupid. And as I was stressed and upset, the only thing that I wanted to do was go home and sit in my prayer room and read scripture. And that was it. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And I knew that it would bring me comfort and feel better. And I know what you're saying. Of course, the pastor wants that. But I have not always been like this. It's been through uh, like dedication and just discipline to read scripture that I found so much comfort in doing so. So if you don't find the comfort in reading scripture yet, just keep going. Just have the discipline to do it. And one day when you're stressed too, you will find comfort in reading scripture. But anyway, back to this day a few months ago. As I got home and I got under my blanket and onto the couch in my prayer room and started reading scripture, I just sat there for a second and I asked myself, why are you doing this? This wasn't a bad question. It was more of just a curious one, just a reflection, like, why did I turn to scripture when I felt stressed? And I thought for a second and I said, because this is the only thing that is good all the time. And it is so true. Nothing else is ever good all the time but God. I knew that the word of God was so good all the time and that it is never changing. It never changes. It is always holding firm. It was stable. Compared to scripture, everything else in life is unstable. You can have the best things and the best people in your life, but they will all fail you at some point, and they will all let you down. But Jesus never will, like literally never, ever. The peace of knowing that Jesus never fails that he is good all the time, that we don't have to question his love for us is everything. You can lay down all your worries and anxieties and problems and give them to Jesus and trust that he will rule your life with peace and righteousness. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's a reason why we call him all these names. That's who he is to you. Jesus is the peace that you've been searching for. So how do we find peace and joy that comes from Jesus? How do we actually find it and see it and get it? The first thing we can do to find that peace is to stop and look for the light of Jesus. We have to seek him out. We have to read his word. We have to pray. We have to be in church and seek him out. We have to look for him In all of the places in our life, we have to see who God has put in our lives, see who he has blessed us with. We have to stop and look for the light of Jesus because seeing the way that he is interactive in our life and the way that his hand is in it gives us peace. We have to see where he is at work in our lives and know that because he is good and never changing and everlasting, that he will put peace into our lives and that we can hold on to him. The second thing is we have to accept the gift that he is to us. So Jesus was a gift that God didn't have to give us, but he did anyway because he loves us. He wanted us to come back to him, and the only way that we could do that was through Jesus. So accepting the joy that Jesus gives us, accepting the peace 
without hesitation is what we have to do. Sometimes when we're in a hard season of life and we're depressed or anxious or going through grief or a loss, it feels almost guilty to be joyful in Jesus, like we feel like we have to be sad all the time. But you can choose joy in Jesus. You can be sad and choose joy at the same time, and you do not have to feel guilty about it because that is what God wants us to do. He wants to be your joy in your time of deep darkness. Accept the gift that Jesus is to you without hesitation, without reservation, without guilt. Accept the gift that Jesus is. And the final way that you can find peace and joy that comes from Jesus is to give the gift of Christ out to others. Once you've accepted the gift of Jesus, you're free to give him out and to tell people how they too, when they're in a season of deep darkness, can choose the joy that comes from Jesus. They can run to him and find comfort and rest in Jesus and the gift that he is. So once you've accepted the gift, give him out. You never know what can happen when you tell someone about Jesus. So give the gift of Christ to others. Advent is a season of waiting, anticipation, and seeking. And as we await the birth of Christ at Christmas, know that you already have access to the peace that he promises, because he is the Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful that you've given us the gift of Jesus. Lord, we know that he is our Prince of Peace, and that he brings peace and righteousness and joy and light into our lives every day, God. So as we go about our days, would you show us the peace that we can find in him? Put little pockets of peace into our day where we can see the hand of God moving in our lives, Lord. Let us feel this peace over any anxiety during this holiday season, Lord. Let us see the light of Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.